Chapter 18 of Max by Catherine Cecil Thurston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter 18. Comradeship, in its broader sense, is bohemianism at its best. Bohemianism, not as it is imagined by the dilettante, a thing of picturesque penury and exotic vice, but a spontaneous intermingling of personalities, an understanding a fraternity as purely a gift of the gods as love or beauty. It is true that the sense of regained happiness beats strong in the mind of Max when he followed Jacqueline into her unpicturesque living-room with its sparse, cheap furniture, its piano and its gas-stove, and that the happiness budded and blossomed like a flower in the sun at the one swift glance exchanged with Blake. But even had these factors not been present, he must still have been sensible of the pretty touch of hospitality patent in the girl's manner the moment she crossed her own threshold, conscious of the friendly smile of Monsieur Lucien Cartel, typical artist, typical Frenchman of the southern provinces, short, swarthy, alive from his coarse black hair to the square tips of his fingers. It was in the air, the sense of goodwill, the desire for conviviality, and in the first greeting, the first handshake, the relations of the party were established. But the true notes of this bohemianism is not so much spontaneous friendship as a spontaneous capacity for the interchange of thought, that instant opening of mind to mind, when place becomes of slight and time of no importance. Such an atmosphere was created by M. Lucien Cartel in his poor Montmartre appartement, and under its spell Max and Blake fell as surely, as luxuriously, as they might have fallen under the spell of a summer day. It was not that M. Cartel was brilliant. His only capacity for brilliance lay in his strong, square hands. But he was a good fellow, and possessed of a philosophy that at once challenged and interested. For church and state he had a wide contempt, a scoffing raillery, a candid blasphemy that outraged orthodoxy. For humanity, and for his art, he owned an enthusiasm touching on the sublime. Upon every subject, the meanest and the most profound, he held an opinion, and aired it with superb frankness and incredible fluency. So it was that, when the poulet bonfemme had been picked to the bones, and Jacqueline had retired to some sanctum, whence the clatter of plates and the sound of running water told of domestic duties, the three pushed their chairs back from the table, and fell to talk. Precisely how they talked, precisely what they talked of in that pleasant period subsequent to the meal, is not to be related. They thrashed the paths of morality, science, religion, until their contending voices filled the room and the tobacco smoke hung in clouds about them. They talked until the last drop of Jacqueline's coffee had been drained. They talked until Jacqueline herself came silently back into the room and seated herself by Cartel's side, slipping her hand into his with artless spontaneity. Morality, science, religion, and then, in natural sequence, art, music— the brain of M. Cartel tingled, his fingers twitched as the rival merits of composers, the varying schools of thought, were touched upon, warmed to, or torn by contending opinions. One end only was conceivable to that last discussion. The moment arrived when the brain of M. Cartel cried vehemently for expression, when his hand, imprisoned in the small fingers of Jacqueline, was no longer to be restrained, when he sprang from his chair and rushed to the piano, his coarse black hair and an untidy mat, his ugly face alight with God's gift of inspiration. What had he said? Was this then not magnificent, wonderful? 
and, seating himself, he unloosed into the common room a beauty of sound more adorning than the rarest devices of the decorator's art, a mesh of delicate harmonies that snared the imaginations of his three listeners and sent them winging to the very borders of their varying realms. Monsieur Lucien Cartel in everyday life, and to the casual observer, was a good fellow with a fund of enthusiasm and a ready tongue. Monsieur Lucien Cartel, to the woman he loved, and in the enchanted world of his art, was a mortal imbued warmly and surely with a spark of the divinity he derided. There was no niggardliness in Bohemia. It made him as happy to give us his music as it made his listeners to receive, with the consequence that time was dethroned, and that four people sat entranced, claiming nothing from the world outside, more than content in the knowledge that the world had no eyes for the doings of a little room on the heights of Montmartre. From opera to opera Monsieur Cartel wandered, now humming a passage under his breath in accompaniment to his playing, again raising his soft southern voice in an abandonment of enthusiasm. It was followed close upon some such enthusiastic moment that Max rose, crossed the room, and, taking a violin and bow from where they lay upon a wooden bench against the wall, carried them silently to the piano. As silently Monsieur Carter received them, and, lifting the violin, tucked it under his chin and raised the bow. There is no need to detail the magic that followed upon that simple action. The world, even his own Paris, has never heard of Monsieur Lucien Cartel, and cares not to know of the pieces that he played, the degree of his technique, the truth of his interpretation. But when at last the hand that held the violin dropped to his side, and, lifting his right arm, he wiped his damp forehead with the sleeve of his coat, the faces of his audience were pale as the faces of those who have looked upon hidden places, and in the eyes of the little Jacqueline there were tears. A moment of silence. Then Monsieur Cartel laid down his violin and laughed. The laugh broke the spell. Jacqueline, with a childish cry of excitement, flew across the room and, throwing her arms about his neck, kissed him with unashamed fervour. Blake and Max pressed round the piano, and in an instant the room was humming again to the sound of voices, and someone made the astounding discovery that it was five o'clock. This was Blake's opportunity, the opportunity loved beyond all others of the Irishman, when it is permissible to offer hospitality. The idea came to him as an inspiration, and was seized upon as such. Eager as a boy, he laid one hand on Max's shoulder, the other on that of Monsieur Cartel. He had a suggestion to make, one that admitted of no refusal. Monsieur Cartel had entertained them regally, he must suffer them to make some poor return. There was a certain little café where the chef knew his business, and the wine really was wine. He looked from one face to another for approval, and perhaps it was but natural that his eyes should rest last and longest on the face of Max. So it was arranged. A dinner is a question readily dealt with in the quarter of Montmartre, and soon the four, laughing, talking, arguing, were hurrying down the many steps of the Escalier de Saint-Marie, bent upon the enjoyment of the hour. End of chapter 18